Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you. It is good to be back. We've taken a few weeks to do Relentless Truth Rewind, and it is good to be back with you. I hope you had a joyous Christmas and New Year holiday season. For some people, this is a difficult time of year. I hope it was a blessing to you and to your family, and there's a sense I get that it's it's good to be kind of back at it. We have some changes coming. Uh, in, in the meantime, please like, subscribe to, and share Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please feel free to go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information about our work or to find our library of episodes. You can send an email to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com, or you can simply go to our contact page on our website. Ours actually works. Many don't. That's frustrating. Hey, so today I have a, a bunch of stuff. There, there, that's a fancy term. A bunch of things to to talk about. The uh, the primary one is Christian conduct, <laughs> and and uh, I think you'll I, I think maybe you'll enjoy you'll appreciate uh, some of these observations. You'll enjoy some, and you won't enjoy others. But you know, first I want to I want to tell you I, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm pretty sure I have that we are the proud owners of a cat now, and I am allergic to cats. And my production company, his productions, Josh Brown and his team, and I wish I knew the guy's name who actually does the editing of these podcast episodes because I hear his commentary from time to time from Josh, and he says nice things about this content, and I. I say nice things about his work. We should meet. We should at least talk sometime. But wow, does he uh, does he do good work? But making these episodes sound good could be a little tricky for the foreseeable future because of the cat. I'm allergic to cats. Just thinking about it makes my throat scratchy. Um, but I take precautions and we get along okay. And this is not a long-haired cat. I don't think it's a short-haired cat either. Her name is Schrody. She's at least 13 years old. Either she might have just turned 14 or headed toward 14. We don't know because she was a rescue and she was our daughter's cat. Our daughter's in a PhD program up north and struggled. The cat struggled with the adjustment to a different environment, smaller apartment and the like. And so we have adopted the cat. And that's kind of what I've been up to in the last couple of months along with all the other things that I work on. We have some changes coming to the podcast that are good. You know, when this started, I didn't know you'd, you'd be here listening, frankly, and you are in, in, in good numbers. And so, you know, there, there have been a couple of functions I've been to recently, and, and I've received some emails that are just are encouraging. Uh, one, one person at a function I attended, there, there was a, there's kind of a, a large area with people mingling. And, and she said, you know, I knew it was you when I heard your voice from your podcast. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that never happens. But 
I am I am grateful that God has chosen to bless this work and that it it does have some meaning and and a a, a loyal group of listeners and subscribers. I'm grateful for you and the fact that you're here. When this started, I I received some good instructions from uh, people like Josh Brown, who owns his productions in Indiana, and I actually listened to him because. I I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing. I had lots of time in the classroom at at the university level and and now at high school the high school level for many years. So I was comfortable talking about you know complex thought or meaningful thought, but I didn't really know anything at all about podcasting. So I am encouraged, and we are making some changes that are kind of behind the scenes. And you'll see them, and I'll talk about them more in the future. Today, I want to talk about Christian conduct, and and please don't uh, tune me out because I, I don't know about you, but when when I hear the word conduct, and this will tell you my age, maybe I go back to elementary school when you got a conduct grade. Do you remember that? And and if you if you got in trouble, which I, which I didn't very much, thankfully, but but if you if you had a quote unquote conduct issue then you, you would not get the S on your report card, which was for satisfactory. You'd get a U for unsatisfactory. And at my house and most of the houses of my friends, that was not a happy day if you got a U in conduct. So we, we are, we're not talking about citizenship when I say conduct. We're ta- I'm talking about Christian conduct. I'm really talking about what does the Bible say about conduct? Now, before we dive into some scripture that speaks to this issue, I, I want to just talk in plain, bold terms, perhaps, about Christian conduct. It, it perplexes me. So, so there's, a, there's a need. You know, we call this podcast Relentless Truth for a reason. It is important to hold to biblical truth. It's important not to compromise on biblical standards. Now we have to have discernment because there are some essentials of the faith and then there's some non-essentials. And then there's another group of mysteries, things that we don't really fully understand. And we shouldn't separate from each other over the mysteries and, and maybe even over the non-essentials. And we've, we've talked about kind of what those are. The gospel is certainly an essential. And there are some conduct issues that are also essential, but but there's an awful lot that we we don't either fully understand or we shouldn't separate over and that's a that's kind of another conversation for an, for another day. But what's interesting to me about Christian conduct is is that we uh, as much as I believe we should adhere to truth and as much as I believe that the Bible discloses, Scripture discloses a lot of essential truths that we can hang our hat on, within the world of Christians getting along, we don't do so well, do we? Now, I'm not talking about groups like the American Gospel Film calling out the Word of Faith movement and, and you know, heretics who who are clearly preaching a different gospel. That's different. We'd still be courteous about that. We'd still have some sense of decorum, but, but we've got to proclaim truth. And if that offends people, then that offends people. And that's, that's the way that goes. We've got to, we've got to call for the purity of the gospel, but 
we're also commanded to love each other and to love each other well. And we're going to talk about what that what that really means today, what that looks like, how how we flesh that out, how we how we walk that out, how we live in community as Christians and love each other. Because I've I've got to tell you, and 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 you know, there's not a person listening here, including me, speaking, who is not guilty from time to time of bad conduct. If you think, oh, he doesn't know me, I don't do that. You're probably you probably have a blind spot. So yes, we're all guilty, but there are some who are worse offenders of bad Christian conduct than others. So there are several types of bad Christian conduct. I'm not talking about areas that Paul mentions near the end of Romans where where he says, you know, the strong should bear with the scruples of the weak or or we have liberty to do certain things, but we should be sensitive to the weaker brother. I'm not I'm not talking about gray area issues at all. I'm I'm talking about how we treat each other. I'm talking about fairness, kindness, living in a loving way, an agape way, loving each other without even consideration of reciprocity. So you know, that means that we extend love whether we're loved or not. That means we extend love to the unlovely. But when I look at Christians behaving badly in it. There, there are kind of two, two interactions here. One is in Christian community, which is where I think we're at our worst, frankly. And I could cite examples. It'd be really embarrassing to me and embarrassing to some other people who've been on the wrong end of that from time to time. So I don't, I don't think we'll do that, but there's also Christians behaving badly in community and being seen by those outside of the Christian community. That's, that's not cool. And then there's Christians acting badly toward people that are outside of the Christian community. I think even thinking of it in those terms, and I realize the purity of the church and I know the bride of Christ is pure. And I know the, the evangelical church that we've talked about it here many times is, is a mess and denominations struggle. And any, anytime we assemble groups of people, it's culture, uh, you know, it can degrade and I get all of that. I'm talking about how we treat each other, how we conduct ourselves. I'm not talking about a satisfactory or unsatisfactory grade on a report card. I'm talking about how we live and I'm not talking about perfect versus imperfect. We'll, we'll all acknowledge right now that we're all imperfect, right? But I'm talking about just basic courtesy, basic love, basic caring about the needs of others, esteeming the needs of others ahead of our own. And we'll talk about what scripture says about this in just a minute. Now, I don't know why Christians think they can behave worse in community to each other than the world does. I have some theories. I I often tell my students that secularists, human secularists, humanists, those who, as a group, I would say, don't believe in God or they're agnostic, they don't believe God is knowable, at best and and at worst they're just out and out atheists or say they are they can be some of the nicest people you'll ever meet you kind of scratch your heads and say well why why would they be nice well they're you know they're made in god's image there's god's common grace there are a bunch of things we could say theologically about that but i think on a very practical level they're nice because they believe this is all there is and 
you only live once yolo and live your best life now you want to live a good life and if you want to live a good life you need to be nice because after all what goes around comes around i mean we can we can go on forever with with you know weak ethical theories that they employ but 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 they they land in the place of niceness sometimes sometimes they don't but there's a good size group probably i i'd say the vast majority of secularists are nice or or those those groups other than christian worldview groups can be very nice i find boy i'll get in trouble for this but i find mormons and jehovah's witnesses among the nicest people on this earth i find hindus incredibly nice but but they believe in reincarnation and karma and so they 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 need to be nice so so they're we're all they're all motivated all these groups by different things different motivation different intrinsic motivation but but there's a lot of niceness a lot of good conduct that goes on this in these groups so why why wouldn't christians do that well we should and a lot of christians are among the sweetest kindest people i could i could name many of you who who have been friends over the years who i would say your conduct is just exemplary what a you're probably thinking of people right now. I can think of some older people who've lived this way with good Christian conduct their entire lives. But then, then there's the bad behavior that goes on. There's, and and I, I experienced something a few years ago where I said some stupid things. I'm, I'm, you know, imagine that. And it was in the heat of the moment with a really important issue. And I believe still today I was on the right side of it, but I, boy, did I say it the wrong way. And I was offensive and I went to the offending party with a, with a, after the offending party wouldn't talk to me, I brought a third party along and I, I don't know this person's forgiven me. I, I begged for forgiveness and have done so a couple of times. And it saddens me that I, 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 I don't know that I have been forgiven. I didn't do that fake forgiveness. If I've wronged you, I apologize. I did the I have wronged you and I apologize and, and, but please forgive me. And, and here's exactly what I did and here's what I was thinking. And it was wrong. And I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, sometimes I think we, we have, we think we have license as Christians to just, no, I don't think I'll forgive you. Maybe it's our security in Christ. Christ. Is it, is it license because we're, we, we know we're forgiven or, or our security in Christ. Maybe that's the same thing. Does that does that drive us toward a sense of antinomianism? You know, being against the law. Does that that doctrine of some people call it once saved, always saved, but does our security, the security of the believer, the perseverance of the saints, the perseverance of God, the 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 eternal security, does that does that make us just kind of, well, I can do what I want to do. I can have whatever attitude I want. I don't need to be nice to that person. Or or do we treat the Christian life, do we treat Christian community like a club? And my observation is sometimes we, we out nice each other on the surface and, and stab each other in the back minutes later. That, that's not love. That's not agape. That's not loving without reciprocity. So where do we go wrong? Why? why and I, I, you know, I don't like to dwell on this because you know, people outside of the Christian community might be curious, might listen to this podcast. I don't want to reinforce this. Well, I don't like Christians and you're all mean and 
you have a club and you don't include me. But you know what? I'll just say to those of you who are outside of the faith, outside of faith in Christ, I get it. You know, I, I hear people say sometimes I won't go to church because that church is full of hypocrites or that church. At, well, yep, yep. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Or a Christian once did this to me or a group of Christians did that or they make me feel like I'm not worth. I understand guilty as charged. Now, I don't believe that's the real reason you haven't come to faith in Christ. I, I believe even even in expressing that concern, let's say it that way. I, I believe that that our self-reliant sin is sometimes motivating us. So sometimes back there. So let, let me let me switch gears. And let me just talk for a minute about where I think this comes from, where this bad conduct among Christians comes from. Now, this is a complex topic, and I'm going to oversimplify it. And I'm happy to explore its depth with you privately. I want to be very careful here because I am not going to do the four steps to Christian peace, four steps to Christian good conduct or five or six or whatever it is. I'm just going to talk about the real underlying issue. And, and there can be several, there's a lot written in both the new and old Testament, but particularly in the new Testament about Christian conduct, about how we are to live Paul talks a lot in his epistles about how we're to live in community. And wow, if you read that material, you come away saying we fail miserably. So I, I'm going to try to get to the why, the radical root behind the scenes sort of underlying issue that besets us. And so I want to start with, and, and I, I, I received a podcast episode via a text message from someone. And I, I, I listened to it several times because it, it, it was, it was powerful. And they talked about the greatest commandment in Deuteronomy six, five. So, so I, I, I want to go there for a minute and there, there's a, there's a little insight that they had. I'm not going to repeat everything in that podcast episode, but there, there's just a little bit of insight that I want to share with you. Deuteronomy six, five says in the English standard version, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, this podcast talked about personhood, what, what is personhood. And they were really talking about our culture and the challenges with personhood and relationship stability. And, and I, I've talked recently at uh, Circle Christian Schools Chapel about, about that, that topic and even this greatest commandment. You've heard this commandment. This is not news probably to anybody listening to this podcast. You shall love the Lord your God. This is Deuteronomy 6, 5. So it's the Old Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, what's really interesting about this is Jesus quotes this greatest commandment in Luke 10, 27. This is Luke 10, 27. He also quotes it, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the Sermon on the Mount. But anyway, in the Gospels, all three of the Synoptic Gospels, he quotes Deuteronomy 
6, 5, and he misquotes it. Here's what he says in Luke 10, 27. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, just a, just a paraphrase of the word might, and with all your mind, and a second and, your neighbor as yourself. Whoa, wait a minute. Jesus quotes the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he adds, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, did Jesus just forget the greatest commandment? Did he just ramble on a little bit? No. No, not if if you know God's character and you know who Jesus is, that he's, he's truly God, you know that didn't happen. And so we have to look at this and say, wait a minute. He added, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, we can talk about Old Covenant, New Covenant. We can uh, talk about application versus Old Testament wisdom. I think, I think there are a lot of reasons why Deuteronomy 6.5 doesn't have the rest of this included and why Jesus did include it. But instead of pondering the why, let's just look at the fact that it's here. He's talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind, all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And you've heard sermons on this, I know. You've heard sermons ranging from love your neighbor unconditionally, everyone's your neighbor, what about foreign missions, they're your neighbor, people next door are your neighbor, people in Africa are your neighbor, people in the Middle East are your neighbors, and we're to love Love everyone. And, and that, that's true. But you've probably not heard a sermon. You might not have heard a sermon on why Jesus added, or not why, but the fact that Jesus added with all your mind. Now, that, that is just curious to me, with all your mind. And again, I think in Old Testament wisdom literature, you can go back to Hebrew writing style. You know, there, there are a number of things we could talk about there, and I, I get it, but might not have been necessary to say, and with all your mind. And so as we think about this and we think about, well, how do we execute this? And obviously we're, we're not doing this well in the evangelical church in America today. We're not. Those of you listening in other countries, I, you, you might enjoy a harmonious, you know, environment where everyone loves their neighbor as themselves. I doubt it, but you might. Uh, we we don't do that well here in the United States, and I would argue that we don't invoke our minds. We don't love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, our soul, and all our strength. But we specifically don't utilize with all your mind. We specifically don't practice that. So. So how do we do that, I think, is, is a question we have to ask ourselves. And so if we, if we practice exegesis, not eisegesis, we, look, we don't read into Scripture some view, and we, we, we try to read out of Scripture what it says, and then we compare Scripture with Scripture. One of the places we can land, and, and you know, if you've been with this podcast for a while, you know 
how much I love Romans 12. We, we can kind of land there, can't we? Doesn't that talk about the mind? What it says, and I'm doing this from memory, and I probably won't get this exactly right, but in the English Standard Version, it says something like, I beseech you or beg you or urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of who God is, and he's just explained that in chapter 11, that you present your body's living sacrifice, and, and he goes on. And then in, in verse 2, the forgotten verse, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow. Engage in, be transformed, become a new creature. That word you might remember from our study of Romans is metamorphosis. So don't be conformed, that is, to the world's pattern of living. It's not saying go be weird. It's saying it's saying don't be conformed to the world's pattern of thinking and living. Much like an architect's plan or a sewing pattern or a set of instructions, not a quick start guide, but a set of instructions. Don't be conformed with the world's pattern of thinking and living. Oh, by the way, in verse one, when he says, present your bodies, living sacrifice, lots of, lots of sermons, lots of lessons on sexual purity from that. And that's certainly included in that, in that imperative. But, but he's also talking about the whole person. So I think this is very consistent with Jesus's instructions in, in Luke 10, adding with all your mind. And so if we look again at the totality of scripture, how, how is it that we renew our minds? Well, just, just a quick shortcut to that. We know that it happens. God's means of grace in reform terms, but if you're outside of a reformed church, then, then God's way of communicating his grace to us, his way of communicating with us, is through scripture and prayer, primary means of grace, through scripture and prayer. Can God talk to us if he chooses to? Sure, he can make a bush burn again if he wants to but and, and speak to us. But his primary means of grace, his ordinary means of grace are scripture and prayer, and we know that. And so this renewal of our minds happens because of scripture and prayer. And so I said all of that to say, Read your Bible and pray and you'll act better in community. Well, not, not, not so fast. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe there's a little more going on here. And, and I, I, I'm going to, I want to switch to just some very, very practical. I think all these thoughts are practical, but I want to switch to some application before we leave this topic. I think a key for us is not just saying, okay, I want to have my mind renewed, like wishing upon a star or like treating God like a cosmic vending machine. I'm, I'm going to spend some time in scripture and prayer. And then God is obligated because he's God. He's obligated to do some things for me. And I want my mind renewed and I want to be better. So even with good aspirations, even with good intentions, even with a good goal of improving our conduct. If you leave this podcast episode and you say, you know, that guy's right. We should be better as Christians. We're not so good. We do fight in the church. Oh my goodness. We have squabbles. We don't treat each other. Well, we, I hired a contractor from my, and it's not true of me, but I hired a contractor from my church and he didn't do the right thing or, or, 
or somebody else wronged me in a business transaction and they're in my church or, or, or a person who's in the evangelical church lied to me or took advantage or, or whatever. And I want to, I want to be better at that. I think we as a church should be better at that. And so if we read our Bible, what that guy on the podcast said is if we read our Bible and pray, God is a cosmic vending machine. So we get tokens, we put them in the vending machine and, and we push a button and out comes this objective. Well, God doesn't operate that way. This renewing your mind is more complicated than that. And I think you see, we see examples of this when we read scripture. I'm reading through Acts right now, the book of Acts. And it is amazing how this is happening to me and it's happened to me a hundred times. I bet it's happened to you. If you read the Bible, you'll read it and say, how'd I miss that all this time? I knew the historical facts around this, particularly in Acts. But wow, look at the beauty of that. I didn't see it. Scripture is alive. It is wisdom imparting. God uses it. It is his word. It is written by him for us, and it changes us. Is it simple? No. No, it's not. On one level, it's very simple. The gospel is simple. Justification by faith is simple and easy to understand. On another level, is it complex? Yes. Are there details that are woven together that it's kind of hard to put together sometimes? Yes. Is there, dare I say, tension? Yes. Are there mysteries? Absolutely yes. And so this renewing your mind happens over time, over decades, over a lifetime. It's a process. It's not, you know, we. I told the students in chapel, we so badly want the quick fix you know, we're, we're accustomed to walking over to our walls and pressing a button and poof, we have heat. And, and, and the, the guys on the podcast talked about that. And they, they talked about the socialization we lose, the, the relationship stability that we lose, the personhood that we lose by having technology. And they called it science plus magic. And, there, and there's an element of that, isn't there? We love in this technology age that we're in now, this this big computer revolution that we're still in started in the sixties, probably maybe even late fifties, but now we've distilled it into button pushing and some combination of science and magic where we, we kind of get what we want quick. So it's hard for us to think about scripture the right way in terms of its wisdom imparting. But I think there's a core issue and I I'm going to, you're going to walk away going, wow, that was a big lead up to something I already knew. And you do already know this. But I want us to focus on this. It is simply this. It is the phrase, because he first loved us. If you know our Lord, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, we have him to thank because he first loved us. And that is clearly demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ A verse that I know you know is John 3 and verse 16. What it says is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And verse 17 says, or eternal life, uh, verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
It is because God first loved us that we are able to feebly even answer the imperative in the greatest commandment as repeated by Jesus in Luke. That is just the truth. That is, it is his love for us. And, and, and to understand his love for us, we have to understand who he is. And, you know, there's a place in scripture that we've, we've kind of just been that is, is really important to understanding this. In fact, that imperative, that, that renewing, renewing of your mind imperative is really referencing, because of Paul's use of the word therefore in Romans 12, it's really referencing who God is. And Paul talks about it at the end of chapter 11. And I think just my opinion, doesn't really matter, that this is, the, this is the critical point, the turning point, the, the pivot point, the, the crux of everything Paul is saying in Romans. He says in Romans eleven thirty three, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Here it is. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. If we properly understand who God is, and you can add and who man is, and and I talk about that a lot, but if we really understand that from him, through him, and to him are all things. If we really get that and we really glorify him, as, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and we really focus on who he is and that he first loved us, that includes the gospel, the person of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus Christ. If we focus on those things, our conduct changes. The way we live changes. Now, you know, you meet some people who've been educated with many, many seminary degrees who aren't very nice people sometimes. I get that. That doesn't mean they spent time pondering truth. But, but you don't meet people who spend time at the foot of the cross at the, uh, and, and acknowledging the true living God and his love for us demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ who behaved badly. If you know who we are, sinners, us sinners, you know, you know that we're depraved sinners, and you read Romans 3, the first half of Romans 3, the part that's hard to read, where Paul says, none is righteous, no, not one. And you put yourself in that category as you rightfully should, as I rightfully should. And then you read the rest of the chapter in justification by faith, and you study the life of Jesus Christ. You, you will fall, we will fall on our faces and just humbly come to him recognizing our station in life. I get so tired of, and the New Testament just almost screams at us for this, through the Pharisees in particular, preferring people over each other. Person who's dressed one way gets one treatment. Person who has one vocation gets one treatment. Person who has another, person who's maybe their, their vocation just isn't that, or they don't dress a, or they're a certain age, or they got healthy, or what, whatever it is. We favor people. And it's despicable. It's because we're all guilty of this, but it is because we don't recognize who we are in the context of God's love 
for us. We have a sense of entitlement of, I, I deserve this, I earned this, I had faith, I, I, I paid attention, I made the right decisions, I'm more humble, I'm, I'm better than they are. We don't say those words, but that's back there somewhere, isn't it? So I think the key, a key, and know this, see, it's not five or six steps or whatever to, to a happy Christian life with good conduct. But I think the key is time in scripture and prayer with a focus on God's love for us and a focus on who we are. It's not about sucking it up and trying to do better again and again and again, just sucking it up, trying to do better. Is there the need for us to care? Yes. Is there a need for us to engage? Yes. Are there some best practices? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I have to learn again and again and again to keep my mouth shut sometimes. You know what? You don't have to correct the word. You don't have to, you don't have to write everything. You, you, you've got to know when to fold them. You, you've got to know, you know, fly under the radar sometime and just love people. Well, what, what about those situations that are so tension filled? Let's say you buy into everything I said and you say, like I just said earlier with that one person, I can't get things to work. I can't get past that. I can't live in Christian community with good conduct with this person because they just won't. Or they're, what about the difficult tension filled situations? We have a God who loves us. We can go to him in prayer. We can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. I'm not suggesting go try that like a cosmic vending machine and God is obligated to help you, but he will. He promises to. Go at it with the right motivation. If we, if we come at it humbly seeking his help, he won't, he promises not to forsake us. And no, I didn't, for the undiscerning, no, I didn't just contradict myself. So I hope this is helpful. I know it's not the happiest, cheeriest topic. And yet, I think it's the key to living in Christian community in particular. Imagine if we did this well, what people outside of the faith would say. And I don't think we need to put on a show. And sometimes we do that, don't we? And we hold hands and sing songs and sway to the left and right together. And, and then, and then go out in the parking lot and stab each other in the back. I, I don't, I don't, that's not what we're, we're talking about here, but, but look at, look at how, those outside of the faith would see us if we really did practice this, this good conduct because of God's love for us as revealed in scripture and through prayer. I know these are simple concepts. I know you've heard them before. Many of you have memorized every verse I mentioned today, and I understand that. I'm just burdened by this, this notion of Christian conduct and how we are to live. This informs us in every aspect of our lives. This is foundational. This is radical. This is root level teaching that I think is one of the keys to understanding all of scripture and living this Christian life. I hope this has been helpful. I'm again, encouraged by you, the listener. I'm encouraged that you stay with these episodes, uh, that they're meaningful. Your comments to me throughout the week are so valuable. I hope you'll go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com for more information. 
about our work. I have some exciting things to announce. I'm almost ready to announce them. One involves video, which I'm really nervous about and excited about at the same time. Another involves a platform. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're going to make a couple of uh, changes that are scary and exciting, but we're making uh, long, long-term commitments to this work. I'm grateful for you. Uh, please like, share, subscribe to and uh, review this podcast. Comment on social media when you find us there. You can find us on Facebook at John Warren Media or my my Facebook page is John Warren. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So I look forward to being with you again soon. May God bless you richly. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren. Thank you.